Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and the Checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting week in the markets. Not only did we have weather we were dealing with, long-term weather forecasts that are causing uh, some concerns when we look beyond the rains we received. But we also had a meeting that came out with some um, talking jobs numbers. Where are we at and how are the feds going to react to that? And in a recession, are we really in a recession right now? Are things actually maybe looking a little bit rosier? than what was either earlier planted. We're going to take a look at that. Chinese weather, what's happening in the world of agriculture on this week's report. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Well, joining me, as you can see on the screen, is Sue Martin, Sue with Agate Investment out of Clarion, Iowa, and Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors out of Florida. And interesting week, to say the least. I know that everybody I've talked to has been very grateful for the rain they've received. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But, Sean, I wanted to follow up to a conversation you and I had earlier this week. And that dealt with the fact that we had uh, the feds talking about interest rates and things changing, but it sounded like everything was hindering on the jobs numbers. Well, I mean, one of the reasons we've had this deflationary scare and this capital flowing out of commodities is this you know, idea that this ever rising dollar, this lowering of liquidity, this increase of interest rates um, is driving risk takers out of the market and making the market fear that the forward looking curve on the economy is going to be weak. And that means deflationary fears come back in a hurry. And, you know, we just saw earlier in the week and when they did, when the speculators decide they want to get out and they hit the sell button, you know, they can sell awfully fast and awfully persistent and create some pretty wild moves. And I think the strong jobs numbers today, a lot of people, I think we're looking at the first sign of weakness that maybe the Fed would say they were on pause. We did get that. It means the market, I think, very quickly could worry about the next Fed meeting and what that looks like. It might bring some sellers back into the market after maybe a little bit of a bounce in overall commodities that we've seen, Susan. Well, Sue, and you also mentioned too, before we started this program, talking a little bit about these numbers and what's going on with the feds. And if we've got uh, movement on things, maybe maybe the jobs in recession aren't as bad off as we thought. Well, usually it's very difficult uh, to have a recession and growing labor or employment. And so the jobs numbers today that came out showing uh, unemployment at 3.6% still seems fairly low. Uh, looks like a win for the Biden administration to have it that low. And of course, the trade totally missed the number. You know, I think the highest guess was around 250 or something like that. And it came out at 372. So, um, that's that's huge. And um, I think that put some optimism back into the market today. But more than anything, I think that uh, as we go forward, um, I think, you know, I think we've gotten immune a little bit to the Russian Ukrainian war. And I think the trade is now looking more at maybe the end results of what har uh, the harvest is like in Ukraine, what the numbers are coming out of there. And but as far as the war itself, I think we're getting a little immune to that. So we're back to looking at more weather than probably most anything. 
And I heard that Russia could have some decent numbers coming out of this wheat crop as their harvest gets underway. Well, they are expecting a pretty good wheat crop, uh, no doubt about it. But then the other thing is, you know, uh, farmers in uh, Russia are starting to realize that nice appreciation of, of the um, uh, ruble is maybe causing them to not be as competitive in the world on the global scale. And so therefore sales might end up not being as robust uh, going forward as they would, would have thought they would be. So um, it's all, you know, because Putin did a good job moving everything over to where if you buy crude or you get natural gas or wheat, uh, you have to pay in rubles. Well, that pushed the ruble higher uh, to what seven year highs or something like that. And uh, certainly has made it uh, to where they're just not as competitive as they were. But weather's really coming around too. You've got some uh, weather that's maybe not as nice in, in Ukraine. You've got Europe dealing with a lot of weather issues, maybe France not as much. And um, so there's lots of concern of production around the world for wheat. And in the meantime, that also includes corn. So um, I think that when we look going ahead, uh, we have to keep in mind that um, uh, let's take the war, put it on a, uh, off to the side for a moment. And now we're looking at uh, getting through our harvest. And in the meantime, looking at Europe and, and how hot and dry they have become. Sean, have you seen the videos or not the videos? Videos with the pictures that are out there in regards to uh, fields in Ukraine being burned by Russian soldiers? You know, I see these videos and I see these things and I kind of agree with Sue. I think, I don't know what to make of it. You know, I can't predict how much of it is, you know, is it just this one little area? Is it something more? Does it really mean anything? I just think the market has said, you know, we don't know what to make of it all. We're going to focus on what we can uh, make discern, which is the Russian crop, the U.S. crop. Uh, the European crop, traditional weather uh, scares or weather concerns over the growing cycle. And I think, you know, they're just, we're just, it's like the trade war from many years ago. We, after a while, we just didn't care anymore about the next meeting because we were just tired of it all. I feel that we're just not going to be paying attention to those kind of news stories or sound bites anymore. Get back to weather, get back to production. We get our hands around and we'll let Russia and Ukraine do what they're going to do for now until something changes that changes the narrative something different than what it is so all right well as we can we continue here at the nebraska soybean board weekly market roundup we're going to talk weather now with both of you guys sean what are you hearing as we start to hit very important parts of our corn and our bean production uh went up well, we, you know, we've been forecasting a, a, that the best opportunity for a weather scare this growing season in Northern Hemisphere was going to be from the early part of July into the third week of July. That window, many months ago, we made that forecast that if we were going to get one, that was the time to have hot, dry Europe and a hot, dry or warmer, drier U.S. impact the market. But we do not see this being a drought cycle. We do not see this carrying over in August. We actually see a pattern change coming back of cooler, wetter weather. Um, and we think we're going to have a good finish. It doesn't mean the crops are record setting or record yields. It means good, but not great. But it's not going to be the big crop problem like we had last year in the Northern Plains and that sort of thing. So I think what, if the market gets comfortable with that weather pattern change later this month, some of this weather premium we're putting in, they're going to have to take back off again. And then we have to see 
have we made the lows already or do we have to make some kind of a new low for the harvest low to, to occur sometime later on in August, early September, which is what we think is going to happen, more of an early harvest low season this year than a later one. Sue, for you, do you have any concerns with soybeans and the talk about how August could be extremely hot and dry? Well, I have to agree with what Sean was saying. Um, our weather sources have also tended to indicate that July would be hot and dry. Actually, it took an extra week in here to get that weather uh, forecast coming. But And we can see how the market turned here on the concerns of, uh, well, both the UK and or the European model and the US GFS model was in very good agreement here this morning. Uh, so they added more weather premium in, but also the market's extremely oversold, added in some short covering and maybe some buying as well. Now, the forecast that we've been hearing is that you get towards the end of, of July, as you go through August, it tends to cool more and so if I had to worry about the next phase of a weather scare, could it be an early frost? And as dry as we would be, that could be what we have to watch for. So as we go through the next two weeks, the trade's gonna be listening for the next 10 to 15 day forecast to see, does it show this kind of abating and moving away? Or do we push into maybe the turn of the month and then we catch the cool down? Um, the trade's going to be very, very aware of what's going on. And and we have, um, you know, everybody and their dog now is watching Eric Snodgrass, who comes out almost every day, and he's free, so he can't beat the price. And he's of course, sponsored by Nutrien, and Eric's a good guy. Um, but so you have him out there, and like I say, many farmers are watching his forecasts and brokers, so we'll see what that comes out like as we go forward. But our sources would tend to kind of accommodate Sean's outlook. And um, I just have to say that, uh, again, for now, you know, I, I'm going to go back and do the study on it. But I don't recall too many times you get July lows that stick and then you rally back to the highs of the year. Uh, if you do, it's going to be in December. And um, but. Normally, if you get a low in July and it's a harvest low, it comes in the very latter part of July, maybe around the 28th, 29th, something like that, or the first few days of August. But a year of a two, a year ending in a two, does tend to see either highs in December or we break down into late October, November, or December. I think that we've got a chance for these prices to try to move higher. You know, one thing we've got to keep in mind China is enduring horrific flooding again this year, almost as bad as what they had in 2020. And, you know, they had horrific flooding in 2020, 2021, and now here again, through all the major portions of grain belt in uh, China. That's a biggie because we've seen China in our market this week. We can see some higher prices into the latter part of July to work off this oversold condition to, to kind of get this worry in the weather out of our, the market system. But I don't believe that we can hold that. I think we're going to go and at least retest or some kind of a new low in August. At that point, we'd have to take a look at what Sue said about potential for some harvest issues with weather. But I think, you know, to her point about China, I do think there'll be a big buyer in August.
And commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup right here on the Rural Radio Network.